And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Malone, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, thank you a lot for having me again. I uh, I feel like I don't even need to introduce you because uh, people have heard of you and know you and recognize you. First of all, how have you been, Dr. Malone? You must be terribly busy. Yeah, a lot of travel, and uh, then in the middle of it, I had a car breakdown, so I had to solve that problem. And you know how it is. This is the nature of life. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, I've been able to spend the last couple of days here at the farm and then we ship out on Sunday for Brussels to testify in the European Parliament. Oh, wow. You have done so much work related to COVID. Of course, you're an expert on vaccinations and the mRNA. Um, let's jump right into it. Um, this vaccine, how is it that this thing was pushed out in mass to people and yet it was, was not thoroughly tested? Well, that's a great question uh, that I don't have an answer to. It broke all of the regulatory standards. And then the uh, weaponization of information censorship, etc., cetera, uh, resulted in a situation of governments all over the world coercing, enticing with uh, various rewards, uh, n- you know, notoriously ice cream for children. Yeah. And then compelling uh, for a what is really a, an experimental medical product using a new technology that turned out to buy, be neither safe nor effective. And this uh, completely breaks all established norms and, and really law, established international law, having to do with bioethics and the rights of patients to informed consent. That the, If you think it through, the blocking of information... Uh, about the potential benefits or lack thereof and risks and the misstatements about the benefits, the misstatements about the biodistribution, um, all of that actively blocked informed consent. The censorship on Twitter and Facebook and Google blocked informed consent. The uh, inability of patients to form uh, groups to discuss their own adverse events and they're repeated being repeatedly deplatformed for doing so yes. is is basically a case of the likes of Facebook and other social media conspiring with the government to suppress uh, informed consent. We have clear documentation now, thanks to Judicial Watch, that uh, we had active collusion between the United States government and the great British government to suppress information about vaccine adverse events. Again, that is entirely contrary to international norms. And this was all justified based on the thesis that this was a highly lethal pathogen. These are all things that were the root of the modeling that was done, the wargaming that was done in Event 201 at Johns Hopkins uh, under sponsorship of the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in which they had three central precepts. Number one, that there would be a highly lethal coronavirus. This was absolutely not a... Much of the deaths can be attributed to medical mismanagement. Um, There would not be any uh, 
available drugs or drug treatment protocols to mitigate the effects of the pathogen, and there would be a fully safe and effective vaccine developed. And that was the basis for the gaming um, that resulted in the plans that were then deployed, in particular in the Five Eyes nations, but really across the Western world, um, that were so authoritarian, so totalitarian, the willingness of governments to do what they did. And that included the active suppression and manipulation of information coupled with this uh, um, uh, coercion, uh, compulsion, enticement, all things that are strictly prohibited in the case in particular of experimental medical products, but really any medical procedure, uh, the patient must be fully informed. And this was prevented in the under the guise that anything that would cause, quote, vaccine hesitancy must be suppressed. And so any information, whether true or false, was suppressed if it was determined to potentially place at risk vaccine hesitancy, which is to say, if, if patients, if the general population were fully informed about the risks and benefits, they might be less likely to accept this experimental medical product. And therefore, all that information had to be suppressed, whether or not it was true. Mm. That is the underlying logic of the Trusted News Initiative. That's the underlying logic that was deployed by the Department of Homeland Security here in the United States with their determination two Februarys ago that mis, dis, or malinformation relating to vaccines constituted domestic terrorism. This is the logic of the CDC um, uh, deploying a contract to a firm which then aggregated social media uh, players to act in a coordinated fashion to attack anyone uh, who was determined uh, uh, by arbitrarily by the CDC-funded organization to be spreading misinformation. And then uh, that would send out a, a message to these various aggregated influencers and social media actors so that they would then attack on social media the identified person or the identified post uh, report it en masse, seek to get the person deplatformed, seek to get the person's medical license withdrawn or their board certification withdrawn, and seek to get them fired for their job if that was possible. This, they were successful, for instance, with Mary Talley Baldwin. Um, this is well documented by the Epoch Times in a recent article that we then picked up and further amplified on our Substack. And this is the group that claimed uh, that they were responsible for getting me deplatformed from Twitter uh, two Decembers ago, right before the Joe Rogan podcast. Yes. Uh, so that, that's what we've had is this concerted manipulation of information, uh, media, uh, social media, etc., all channels of information under the logic that any information that humans would receive anywhere in the world that would cause them to become hesitant about accepting these experimental products had to be suppressed. Yes. Well, today we're talking with Dr. Robert Malone, well-known in the area of COVID and the vaccination and fighting for the truth. Um, you know, I'm on your mailing list, Dr. Malone, and 
one of the fairly recent communiques that you put out was talking about BlackRock, how that it owns 15.1% of the Fox Corporation. But it's larger if you add in the ownership of Vanguard. Their reach is far larger. It's now 18% of Fox, I guess, almost 21%, 16% of CBS, 13 of Comcast, which owns NBC, MSNBC, CNBC. You know, the list goes on. The Sky Media Group, and then 12% of CNN and 12% of Disney. This is a complicated web. Have you ever felt that as you've been fighting against disinformation yourself? Of course, and uh, they're integrated with Reuters. Uh, they're, they also own a, a large fraction of Pfizer. Um, yes. You can really, the truth is, there was a New York Times article out about a year and a half to two years ago that uh, documents that within the next couple of years, BlackRock will be on track to have a major or controlling interest in about 95% of all U.S. corporations. Oh, wow. Um, so you can think of really the, the corporate world now increasingly as divisions of one company that is horizontally as well as vertically integrated. So this one company literally controls the vast majority of media as well as the vast majority of the pharmaceutical industry as well as tech, um, the list goes on and on. And, of course, they work in parallel in close conjunction with the World Economic Forum. And uh, they are absolutely the ones that are actively promoting these various uh, social scores, uh, including the ESG score system. But there's many others behind that under the logic that uh, one has to promote social equity as a business objective. And then, of course, Mr. Biden is likewise promoting um, various agendas, including the trans agenda, as uh, national public policy. Tucker Carlson spoke about this at length in a recent Heritage Foundation speech that was so powerful, in which he talked about this enormous downward pressure that we're all experiencing it's coming from above that yeah. is uh, clearly totalitarian um, and clearly dysfunctional, has no real uh, connection to any political realities. There's no uh, logic in terms of uh, attempting to improve the economy or the well-being of uh, America or the West uh, in support of the trans agenda for instance, and yet it is a, a primary objective of both the current presidential administration as well as BlackRock and, and its various tendrils that run through the ESG system. One of the things that's important to understand about BlackRock and Larry Fink is they were relatively modest players prior to uh, the um, financial crisis of uh, 07, 08, and uh Basically, the Obama administration created BlackRock, in yeah. a sense, yeah. because they, they enabled them to have the contract for distribution of the uh, TARP and other funds, the funds that were distributed uh, in response to the, the banking crisis. And as one of the conditions of that distribution, BlackRock – so BlackRock is basically giving the job of giving out the dollars – 
and providing oversight about the distribution of those dollars to ensure that they were distributed appropriately, equitably, without fraud, etc. And one of the things that BlackRock did was leverage that to generate the, the largest database of financial transaction information in the world. So they insisted that if you wanted the bucks, um, you and anybody else you touched had to, you being a corporation, for instance, the, the recipients of these large amounts of capital that were infused, you had to agree to basically open your books to BlackRock. So BlackRock was able to capture massive amounts of information from all over the world, the largest database on financial transactions the world has ever known, and then implemented an AI to data mine that, and it then provides that as a service internally to uh, guide its own investments and its own investment strategy, and also sells those data and those insights to outside parties. So BlackRock basically leveraged their special position given to them by the Obama administration, basically without any strings attached, uh, to uh, become the dominant financial investment fund in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have strong ties now to the CCP. And uh, much of their capital comes from retirement funds in the U.S. and elsewhere. So basically they're... They've weaponized our capital uh, against us internationally in transnational investments. So they no longer, they don't feel in any way that American dollars or American investment or American stockholders uh, should, that capital should be routed back to the United States. That capital is now set free to roam the world looking for the best return on investment. And if they can find the best ROI in um, China, and they will do so uh, because that's the nature of a profit-making enterprise. But they have assimilated the logic of Klaus Schwab and stakeholder capitalism and transformed it into these various scoring systems like ESG scores. And what that does is it makes it so that individual companies that don't have that have less favorable scoring have to pay more or have restricted access to capital. So if you don't play the game, uh, you can't get capital for growth and maintenance of your ongoing uh, corporate activities because BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, and Bank of America, who are all interlaced, they're all cross-owned, control the bulk of available investment capital. And the others, uh, you know, with the exception of some funds that have been set up basically in reaction to all of this, uh, you're forced to play their game, uh, whether you like it or not. And so that's why you, you know, these various corporations, that may well be why Budweiser launched that uh, totally dysfunctional campaign from the frame, whatever you think of the gentleman or lady or however you want to define her or him, uh, uh, it, it was uh, um, marketing suicide. Yeah. in terms of their base market for Budweiser. But Anheuser-Busch, which is now foreign-owned, by the way, I think it's a German company that owns it, had really no option. You, you, in this environment, you have to comply. It's, it's uh, the be- metaphor of the Borg in Star Trek keeps coming back. You will be assimilated. Uh, you, you know, uh, resistance is futile. Yes. And uh, so that's, that's the unfortunate reality now. And it plays into 
uh, for instance, conservative media, which you'll notice is starved for uh, advertisers. Yes. And that's because of the GARM agreement and Google uh, controlling AdSense. So basically you have a virtual monopoly on advertisers because of Google's AdSense block purchase power. And uh, if you stray, if you're an advertiser who strays off the accepted path and uh, might sponsor, let's say, a, a podcast called The Redeemer, uh, the Redeemer Network, which is identified by some, it can be an astroturf organization, it doesn't matter, you know, the Center for Countering Digital Hate, whoever, if you end up on somebody's uh, bad list that is among the approved uh, endorsers of uh, acceptable social policy, then if an advertiser uh, advertises with you, they'll be blacklisted from the rest of the Google AdSense world due to the GARM agreement which is why you end up in conservative media with just uh, folks absolutely no diss on Mike Lindell. But that's why Mike Lindell is uh, um, uh, such a dominant force in advertising in conservative media is because he basically made the decision uh, to tell them to go pound sand. <laughs> and uh, so, so, that's, so he, he, by having the courage to say, no, I'm not going to, um, comply with your uh, top-down mandates for uh, who I can interact with, I believe, in conservative causes, that causes him to be basically blacklisted from all the rest of the advertising base. And you'll recall blacklisted from Walmart to sell his bloody pillows. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really quite uh, nefarious, and it's all interdigitated. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's like you have, you have agreement and terms and and organizations layered on top of each other so that you get a multi-layered firewall that um, blocks uh, information that might otherwise be available to the public um, through alternative media channels. Um, and the likes of you and I get then actively labeled as, you know, fill in the blank, conspiracy theorists, misinformation spreaders. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's anti-vaxxers. Uh, anti the latest is anti-Semites and neo-Nazis. Uh, they have little tricks where they will put out a, an essay or an article. Um, the uh, Anti-Defamation League did, did this recently about Substack. They'll put out an, a, quote, analysis of whatever they are targeting, and they'll uh, pick cherry-pick um, a couple of folks that are way out on the fringes you know, verified neo-Nazi proud boys, uh, you know, raging anti-Semites. They may only have 500 followers, <laughs> but they'll list those people. And then they'll list the likes of Steve Kirsch, uh, Dr. McCullough, and myself in the same article, bundle them all up and say, well, you know, Substack has to be deplatformed from Twitter because it's full of anti-Semites and misinformation spreaders. Uh, and, um, that's that's how the game is played. It's done yes. again and again and again, and uh, the in the end, it just like the suppression of informed consent by these government propaganda techniques, which are really fifth generation warfare technology deployed on civilians. Um, we also have a similar uh, tech and approach being uh, played in a general sense against uh, those that are identified as on the right 
And of course, the great recent example is Bobby Kennedy with the coordinated attacks on Bobby Kennedy, who is basically a traditional Democrat, a Democrat Mm -hmm. of the era prior to Jimmy Carter and Bill Clinton. He's somebody who objects to what's happened to the Democratic Party under Carter, Clinton, um, uh, uh, Obama, and then Biden uh, in the the flip-flops that the Democratic Party has taken. It's distancing itself from the working class, etc. But now he's labeled as far right. Or another Hmm. great example is Giorgia Maloney. Uh, She was labeled by our corporate media very aggressively as a... um, basically a fascist in the tradition of Mussolini, which was absolutely absurd hyperbole, Mm. but they get away with it uh, because nobody will challenge them. They do, yeah. Well, today we're talking with Dr. Robert Malone, well-known. He's been on many interviews, and we're honored to have you on with us here. And um, I'm on your mailing list. I really appreciate following you and what you write. And it turns out, I guess your wife also has her doctorate, and she writes as well. And um, you have a, I don't know, what do you have, a book coming out, or, or is it out already? I've lost track. Well, Lies My Government Told Me is, is, was published last fall, just before Christmas time. Yes. Uh, so beginning of December. Uh, so that's out, and it's selling. But it's, it's not a, a small document. It's like 400-plus pages, all referenced, etc. And these days, people like their information in short sound bites. Yes. So the book is selling, but it's nothing like the blockbuster of, of the real Anthony Fauci from uh, Bobby Kennedy, but then I'm not <laughs> Bobby Kennedy. Uh, we are working on a couple of others right now, and one uh, relates to Psy Wars and fifth-generation warfare. We've written a lot about that on Substack, and it's time to bring it together and stitch it together. There's other information out about Psy Wars and fifth-gen warfare from the likes of uh, Michael Flynn and colleagues, and mm-hmm. there's a academic work that's available through Amazon uh, that is about 10 years old, so a little bit outdated on fifth-gen warfare, which, by the way, is another thing that I've been criticized for talking about by the Anti-Defamation League. Um, they've labeled me as an anti-government disinformation spreader <laughs> for talking about fifth-generation warfare and the Uniparty and the administrative state. But uh, those are all well-established terms they are. and, they are and concepts. It's just absurd, but... It shows the length to which they'll go to delegitimize somebody that's starting to get traction. Now, um, almost out of time, we got about two minutes left, and and one one item that came across also from you was uh, new face mask harms. And uh, you know, I'm kind of an asthmatic; it's controlled. I don't get it really bad, but uh, when I had to, on occasion, wear the face mask for any length of time. Um, my breathing was troubled by it, especially I'm, I'm sensitive because of the asthma aspect. And reading this article, um, I realized that's, that's because of the increased level of CO2, way above the normal safe level uh, that's, that's present in your mask. And it may also have to do with allergies to uh, particulates in the mask. Uh, yeah. The masks collect and concentrate particulates, but they don't. You know, those those paper masks are designed 
basically for people like carpenters and floor refinishers and folks like that that need to keep and cement workers that need to keep dust out of their mouth and nose. Yeah. Uh, people that, that do spray paint wouldn't even think about using a mask like that. Uh, they, they use masks that have much better filtration, just to illustrate the point. And then, of course, there's the inconvenient fact that there's three main routes of infection with this coronavirus. One is the oropharynx, so that's your mouth. One is your nasopharynx, that's your nose. The other one is ocular. And last I checked, none of these paper masks cover your eyes. <laughs> uh, and um, interesting to this point is that one of the new symptoms that are apparently associated with the Arcturus variant of the virus now that's circulating, by the way, a fun fact, Arcturus is the name of the Canadian company that uh, did a lot of the advanced formulation work in British Columbia through the University of British Columbia mm. and is rumored to have a significant ownership from the Trudeau Foundation. But in any case, the Arcturus variant apparently has a new symptom, conjunctivitis, which is inflammation oh. of your eye. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and, of course, that's consistent with infection through the eyes. And one of the things that the Arcturus variant is known for is not increased disease, although it has this new symptom that's more prominent, but increased infectivity. So it appears that by, you know, a case could be made that by um, the deployment of these strategies um, to the extent that they have any effectiveness, you may have uh, increased the uh, uh, selective pressure for viruses to infect via eye ocular route um, and give rise to conjunctivitis. So people... A lot of these public health officials have a two-year degree. An MPH is just a two-year degree. It's mostly about biostatistics. They're not really trained, and they don't have to be trained in biology, let alone medicine. And uh, so they're, all, they're basically a bunch of numbers guys. That's why, one reason why they get along well with the economists. <laughs> uh, and uh, they don't necessarily have much of a background in terms of real health and medicine and these kinds of things. Yeah. Well, Dr. Malone, it's an honor to have you on. I wish we could continue to talk longer, but we're out of time. If someone wants to look you up online, where can they go? Uh, thanks for the highlight on the Substack. That's rwmalonemd.substack.com. Uh, Twitter, Getter, Gab, and True Social are at rwmalonemd. And your uh, listeners may enjoy going to the Malone Institute. That's maloneinstitute.org, which has all kinds of larger resources like the uh, spreadsheet of, it's just been updated of all the World Economic Forum Young Leader trainees. Oh, beautiful. Well, Dr. Malone, keep up the good work and may God bless you. Thank you, sir. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 